This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show. Presented by Amron. How about the old Uncle Charlie here? The pitch, swing and a miss, threw the fastball right by him, and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight Ks for the Cardinal Hurt. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. And welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. From Jupiter and Cardinal Spring Training, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you for another week as we get closer and closer to the season starting. Tom Ackerman with us here in Jupiter as well. Dave Klein and Mike Anderson helping us out back in our Cardinals Network studios. Klaibs, we are uh, a week into the month of March. We've seen now a couple of weeks of games, and time sure flies, especially when we get set to start the regular season, well, three weeks from tomorrow, believe it or not. It's getting closer than you think, and I think there's still a lot of questions that are going to be needed to be answered here at some point uh we, we had one I think we had a better idea of today with Adam Wainwright. Yeah, we're going to talk pitching. We're going to talk Adam Wainwright and hear from the Cardinals right-hander in a moment. Also give our thoughts and impressions of uh, some of the other guys that have stood out so far in camp. We will talk about the big news of the week. Paul DeYoung, the Cardinals shortstop, signing a six-year contract extension. Uh, DeYoung will be with the club through 2023 and a couple of club option years tacked onto the back of that. Could be as long as an eight-year deal. We'll visit with Paul and also with Cardinals general manager. Mike Gersh. Klaibs, you'll sit down with Memphis Redbirds manager Stubby Clapp, also Cardinals pitching coach Mike Maddox. A chat with Cardinals beat writer Joe Trezza of MLB.com. Another visit with Dr. Robert Butler, the Cardinals director of performance, and a visit with Elizabeth Meineke of Cardinals Publications. So all of that and more coming up on this week's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin. A busy, busy show tonight in Klaibs, really after kind of an uneventful first week or so. We've had a lot of news the last couple of days. Yeah, we really have. Uh, obviously, the DeYoung signing uh, was one. I think the the Tommy Pham not signing was another story. Uh, everybody had eyes on Adam Wainwright. Uh, you had another situation with Miles Michaelis, who who pitched slightly better than his first outing. And I still think there's some questions to be asked with regard to the bench and who's going to assume that role. Uh, Jairo Munoz had an incredible week, and he's certainly making people pay attention to him. But, Chris, uh, you, you don't have enough from the left side right now coming off the bench. Matt Carpenter is taking baby steps to get him ready. And I don't know about you, but were you a little surprised by Mike Matheny speaking that he thought maybe Matt Carpenter might not be ready for opening day? You know, it's interesting because Mike usually doesn't like to tip his hand like that. And just the fact that they're acknowledging that things are moving slowly is a lot different than what we heard a couple of weeks ago. It yeah. was, you know, that it was just precautionary and they were able to take their time with Carpenter. But Klaibs, he's just now starting to take some swings. He posted a video on Instagram of hitting off a tee in the batting cage. And at this point, even with minor league games and the ability to go field to field and get 
you know, maybe even dozens of at-bats per day, that's still a far cry between that and then being ready to go on opening day. And not seeing any legitimate big league pitching, um, I, I just think there's a lot of work in front of him uh, for a guy who they're counting on. Uh, I, I think this team is a little short right now, but that's what spring training is for, to get people to play themselves into the right frame of mind and conditioning. And uh, But right now, there's there's a lot of work to do. Let's talk a little bit about the pitching and what we've seen. Klebs first, Adam Wainwright. He makes his second start today against the Washington Nationals, and I thought he was pretty good. It was another typical Wainwright start where he was able to navigate around some trouble, but the curveball was sharp. The things highlighted, really, I thought, by a first-inning matchup with Bryce Harper, uh, deep into the count, pitch after pitch after pitch. Eventually, after a couple of odd plays, including a ball that was just called foul, time called by the umpire, Wainwright getting Harper to go down swinging on a breaking ball. Yeah, that was a good at-bat. He's tough, man. He's he's so talented and can do so many cool things. Opposite field, pull it, hit it out to center, and and hit all kinds of pitches. So I love I love at bats like that. I threw a few different looks at him, and uh, I've on him I've traditionally I've I've changed even sides of the rubber. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know on those good guys, there's I'm not going to ever just give him one look. I'm very concerned, and here's why. In in order for Adam Wainwright to be effective, he has to be ten out of ten perfect. And a lot of times you're going to see this situation unfold where maybe he thinks he has good stuff, but because he's got such a good breaking ball, the umpires may not be able to follow it. They may give up on it. They may not see it as a strike. And I think if he has to pitch from behind a lot, he's going to get hurt. Uh, He doesn't have that sort of velocity that's going to make teams think twice, and he's going to have to find another way to trick them. And I just don't know if you can trick guys every fifth day in the big leagues, let alone get through the order twice. he got to get through the order at least twice because if he's going to be a five-inning guy, then you better find some more guys to work out of the bullpen. Wainwright, of course, uh, has talked about his body and the weight loss. Coming into camp at about 225 pounds, significantly almost 25 pounds lighter than he has over the last seven or eight years. I recover a lot better, and I move a lot better, and when I get up out of the bed, it, t- it takes me less to get going, whereas last year it was a real grind. Not anything you can't get through. Just man, like wow, I don't feel 35. I feel 75. You know, and and um, I'm not feeling that way anymore. So a Wainwright that's able to recover more quickly is better. Claves and and I just think more than anything, he's got to be healthy this year. That like no you, you have to start there before you start anywhere else in terms of wins or ERA or innings because he hasn't been healthy. And when he's been compromised over the last couple of years is when we really start to see issues. Yeah, when he gets hurt. He tries to do things that he just can't succeed at, and it just compounds the matter even more. Uh, But he's got to figure it out, and you're right. He's got to just stay healthy, and then you just take your chances. How about some of the other pitching that we've seen already for the Cardinals? I have been so, so impressed with the pair of young pitchers, Claves, both Luke Weaver and Jack Flaherty. I don't know what the future holds for Flaherty. I think Weaver right now would be in the rotation, but both guys have been really, really sharp. We saw Flaherty yesterday in his third outing go 70 pitches. We've seen Weaver uh, a couple of times, and boy, if those guys can be contributors this year, what assets they could be. I don't think there's any doubt, Chris, and and they may split time as far as being a starter. They both pitch well enough to open the season. On, I know it's a small sample size, but I think they pitch better, obviously, than Miles Michaelis. But you, you've made a financial commitment to him. You're trying to give Adam Wainwright an opportunity to win a spot. 
So somebody's going to the minors or somebody's going on a disabled list to buy themselves some time until they figure this thing out. But both of those young guys have done a very nice job. I still tend to think if you're going to carry 13 pitchers, why not six starters, seven relievers? You can still have the seven relievers. You can take pressure off the bullpen. And instead of having a long guy, you go to a six-man rotation. I think that baseball can be such a copycat league, Clibs, that if we see teams, the Angels have talked about maybe doing this with Otani. If we see teams start to do this, we may see it but be a little bit more good. widely acceptable. You have to, you know, Colorado tried it a few years ago, and it was a disaster. Uh, well, luckily, I think, we don't have to deal with Coors Field. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think the other thing that comes into play, and I agree with you, 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 you know, a six-man rotation, maybe you, you either use it early in the year to give you guys ample rest, or you do it later in the year to give you guys ample rest. Uh, I don't think there's a bad thing about it. Uh, now, you'll get an agent will, that will complain this guy's missing another start, but the question I would ask, would you like for him to have another start where he perhaps gets his brains beat out because he's tired? Or would you like him to have one less star so when he does come back, he's stronger and more effective? All right, how about the news on Monday? Paul DeYoung, a six-year extension, a reported $26 million, that from various outlets, club options for 2024 and 2025. I know that uh, people have varying opinions on this, Claves, but certainly for the club, some cost certainty for a player who looks like he could have a very high ceiling, and for DeYoung, some guaranteed money, even if he is foregoing uh, a crack at arbitration in a couple of free agent years. I think it's a roll of the dice by both sides, which makes it sound like a good deal. Uh, you know, Paul DeYoung set the record for most money being paid for a guy who didn't play a full season. And this formula has probably batted 500. I mean, you know, you've done it with guys that haven't worked out. I mean, when you think about it, the only guy that's that was on the field today that this has worked for is Colton Wong, Alan Craig. Uh, you go back to Alan Craig, you look at Stephen Piscotti, you look at Aledmus Diaz, um, Carlos is, you know, this is the second year of his deal. It, it, it probably hasn't had the traction that you would think, but it also, here's the one thing it does do for you. The contracts are friendly enough that if you want to yes. move a guy, that's going to be to your favor. You got two pretty good prospects for Piscotty. You got yeah. John Lackey for Alan Craig that's and Joe point. Kelly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's where the 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 real plus side on the backside would be. But you know, you know, Paul DeYoung has, has certainly gotten out to a good start. And I'm like you. I think it can only get better. I think he's a young man that has understood what adjustment is all about. And it's one of those deals where you just don't throw those deals around to everybody. But maybe Paul DeYoung is a guy. They will prove it to be a good investment. Tommy Pham, meanwhile, does not agree to a contract with the club, and the team exercises their right to renew him for $570,000. Pham told the media that there was a two-year deal discussed, but he didn't think it was enough uh, within regards to what he's accomplished and says that. I know what numbers I need to put up to reach whatever I'm willing to reach. So I'm, I'm betting on myself, man. I'm from Vegas. I'm a betting individual. The betting man from Vegas claims he's going to bet on himself. I wouldn't bet against him. And yeah. he'll roll the dice and try to get to arbitration where he could get a massive number if he puts up a year like last year. Well, you know what? If he puts up something close to that, he's going to get paid. Um, the the Players Association, even, you know, because it had something to do with arbitration, the Players Association advised him not to do the deal <clears throat> because it only wins for the Cardinals. 
and I think Pham realized that, you know what, he can really hit a bigger home run, uh, even at the age of 30, and, and it'll be a better situation. And, and it certainly makes sense for the Cardinals. I mean, the players collectively bargained this, so yeah. they have the right to use their algorithm and, and set the Absolutely. number. And if you look at his service time as well, $570,000 not too shabby for someone, despite the fact that he put up eye-popping on-field yeah. stats last year. So, and, and, you know, the other thing that we, we need to be clear on is that there's no animosity between the two. No. I even asked Mike Gersh about the fact that you guys still open for business, and they're always going to be. They may come back and revisit this. Maybe in the middle of the year. Yeah, so... Um, I think both sides are comfortable with their direction now. All right. Well, we will talk Paul DeYoung's contract and more when we come back in a visit with the Cardinals shortstop, who, again, is the new owner of a six-year extension from the club. That'll get us started when we come back. It is Cardinals countdown to opening day. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. Mike Anderson back in our Cardinals Network studios. Dave Klein helping us as well this week. And we are just getting going from Jupiter back after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The 2018 season is full of great matchups and cool giveaways, including six jerseys, six bobbleheads, two rings, and much more. Get your 2018 tickets today at cardinals.com. Chris Raby back with you from Jupiter, Florida. Another week of Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. Monday, the news came down that Paul DeYoung, was the recipient of a six-year extension from the club and chairman of Bill DeWitt Jr. As you know, we're committed to winning at the major league level through scouting and player development, and Paul is a great example of this. As a fourth-rounder, he rose quickly through our system and, of course, uh, had a great rookie season last year. So congratulations to Paul. and We're excited to have him as part of our long-term future. Uh, with winning clubs in St. Louis. An incredible rookie campaign for DeYoung, who will now be in Cardinal Red moving forward. Paul Young joins us on Cardinals Countdown to opening day on the Cardinals radio network. Of course, uh, a big week as the news came down Monday about the six-year contract extension. Paul, congratulations. What have the last 24, 48 hours been like? Thanks a lot. Uh, just a lot of outreach from my family, friends, and fans out there just congratulating me on, on my next step. But... What I feel is just a strong connection to this Cardinals organization now and, and really feel like I can be a, a pillar to rely on over these next coming years and just really excited about um, you know being here long term and the idea of, of being here for years. Tell me about that connection because we always hear about it and how it's fostered throughout the organization, but over the last few years, I mean, it's been relatively quick for you from being drafted two years later to the big leagues, now signing this extension, so obviously something that has, has really been uh, strong in, in a short period of time. Yeah, and um, the Cardinals obviously pushed me pretty quickly in the minors, but I always felt like I could handle it. I try to use my resources, get a lot of information just so I can make my adjustments quicker. But uh, throughout this whole process, the Cardinals have been a first-class organization, so really just super excited to be able to stick with them for, for the next six years. Tell me a little bit more about the fit, why this is a, a good place for you, not just on the field but off the field in terms of the organization. Yeah, I just think I fit into the uh, to the organizational uh, the mold, like the Cardinal way, just the way everyone approaches the game. And, and not just uh, on the field, it's it's all the off-the-field staff, um, you know, everyone behind the scenes, everyone's committed to the Cardinals. And, and so really it's just like a, an attitude, I guess, that the Cardinals uh, employees and, and the whole organization takes. So 
for me, that fits right into how I approach the game and how I, I come to the park every day ready to work. So just really super excited. What's the process like? Because I imagine that after the year you had last year, uh, we saw you in December at the winter meetings, a little bit of time to travel and see some friends. But then for you, it's right back to work. I know that your agent does an incredible job. So uh, what was the process like in terms of when he came to you with something, when you had to think about, you know, this and, and think about a deal so that in reality then you could not think about it for the next half dozen years? Yeah, we talked about it. Um, having a, a strong rookie campaign really helped my uh, helped my case. But at the end of the day, it came down to, um, you know, whether I wanted security or whether I wanted to try to, you know, run the – run the table and, and shoot the dice or whatever and uh, and try to stick it to them in arbitration and all these things. But to me, that seems so far away. It's three full seasons potentially. I was on the edge of a Super 2, but you know, I wouldn't come out until uh, two more years. So it just seems so far away. Now this contract even seems six years. I mean, who knows how I'll even feel in six years. But um, for me, to be able to just – forget about the money and the negotiations and just go out there and do my job and play baseball <clears throat> is the best feeling I could have. It had to be nice, too, to know that there is a precedent. The Cardinals have signed a lot of these types of deals. Uh, did you talk to any of the guys? Uh, do you remember last year at this time, whether it was Piscotti or reach out to anyone in terms of what they went through and, and who they bounced stuff off during this process? Yeah, and um, I think everyone... Most of the guys in that clubhouse will say that guaranteed money is always a good thing, um, and I didn't th really think I. Would. We've never said that in the media. Yeah, the media, the media, and the fans will sometimes say, "Oh, underpaid, uh, you're selling yourself short, blah blah blah." But well, no, I just mean my money never seems guaranteed. I think the media is underpaid, but that's another story for a different day. <laughs> that's another story, but yeah, it's just so. This to me is a life-changing amount of money, and, and I'm not tr trying to be greedy here. I just, to me, I want to make the memories with with on the field, um, you know, be immortalized that way and then be comfortable enough to live a nice, happy life after baseball. So I think uh, as far as the money goes, I just took care of that right now, and now I can just go out there and play baseball and have fun like I did when I was five years old. It's very well deserved in terms of playing baseball. What's the mentality like in that clubhouse? Because two years outside of the postseason for a lot of organizations is the norm, not the exception. But for you guys, I know an opportunity to change the script and try to get back to the top of the division, especially with the success the Cubs have had over the last two years. Yeah, I think there's a sense of urgency, no doubt. I mean, we understand as an organization of the high standards of wanting to play in October and playoff baseball and all these things. And even in recent history, guys in that clubhouse have done it. So, um, definitely a sense of urgency for us this year to go out there and uh, make the playoffs because, you know, that's just what everyone expects. So I think overall the attitude is, um, you know, hopeful. And uh, I think if we just focus in on the day-to-day -day and but keep that big goal in mind, I think we'll be okay. Is there something personal? I know for you, especially you and I have talked about it, both kind of Chicago area guys, the rivalry can seem personal. It was so one-sided for so long. Uh, do you take it personally now, what the Cubs have done over the last couple of years, the success that they've had? Yeah, and I think uh, I think we played some tight games against them. I know last year it always seemed to come down to a bloop single with two outs in the seventh or eighth inning. So um, for us, I think it's it's trying to focus in on the on the game and not look at the long term as much. To me, if we can focus on winning this pitch or winning this inning or whatever it is, being able to distill it down, I think will will help us in the end against the Cubs. And 
you know, we're going to need some breaks, too, just like those those bloop singles that they got. We're going to have to get those, too, because they're a good team and a good organization. So it's going to be a fun, fun little central run this year. What do you like about the chance to really lock up the middle of the infield with Colton? He obviously signed a similar deal uh, a couple of years ago. Nice to know from a chemistry standpoint, from an on-the-field standpoint, that you guys, you know, moving forward, should have the chance to play together every day for a long time. Yeah, Colton and I, I think, work pretty great together. We you know, started this year in January just working down here before the season and, and now uh, me locking up and him already locked up. It's just, to me, it's going to seem like, uh, you know, we're going to become that duo and I want to become that, you know, iconic duo, one of those um, up the middle, you know, kind of like Ozzy and Okendo were and, and those types of uh, combinations. So some stability for both of us, so I think will help the, the club overall. Paul, what did it mean to have your family here uh, earlier in the week when you signed the deal, the press conference? It was hard not to just look at your parents and grandparents beaming while you went through the press conference with uh, Bill and, and Mo and Gersh. What did that mean to you, and uh, what was it like to share that moment and share Monday with them? Yeah, it's an incredible feeling to have them here with me just because you know they, they pushed me so much and they sacrificed almost as much as me by – you know, taking me to baseball tournaments, so buying me all the equipment, coaching me, um, you know, supporting me mentally, physically, um, through the injuries and everything. So, to me, this is a you know, like a family accomplishment. Those my fam- uh, parents and grandparents have been there every step of the way. So, and I wouldn't want to share it with anybody else. There's always that moment. It seems like no matter how old you get, whether it's you know anything in life or with a job if it's you getting called up last year knowing this deal was done having big accomplishments it never gets old calling your family does it never does and always seems like uh you know however long however much of a break in between i always can just jump right back in with them and and feel like feel like i just saw them yesterday so looking forward to to making some more baseball memories because that seems to be a lot of the memories we've made as a, as a family so just going to hopefully continue those uh, for the next eight years. So where was the celebratory dinner, and did you pick up the check, and was there a limit, like one appetizer for the table? Uh, I picked up the check at Three Forks the other night with my uh, my parents, but last night they had, to, they had to head back to Orlando. So we'll do another uh, celebratory dinner sometime later this spring. Paul, congratulations. Well-deserved and appreciate the time. Thanks, Chris. Missing baseball season, Cardinals Nation and Ballpark Village is open seven days a week. Stop by for a bite to eat or relive some of the Cardinals' greatest moments by going through the Cardinals Museum. For more information, visit cardinalsnation.com. All right, when we come back, Stubby Clapp, he's a guy who knows Paul DeYoung pretty well, the Memphis Redbirds manager, visits with us next on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Well, we have a chance to visit with Stubby Clapp, the manager of the Memphis Redbirds, champion Memphis Redbirds. First of all, congratulations on an incredible season. When did it all sink in for you on what took place that season? Uh, when we won it. <laughs> when Tovar caught that final final ball. Um you know what? It was a blessed season. Uh, it was great, great to us. I mean, uh, a lot of things were, uh, a lot of prayers were answered and, and direction and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of guys got opportunities to play in the big leagues and show what they got uh, to be able to contribute at that level. And then, uh, obviously, you know, we did a nice job in Memphis, and uh, that was a little bit of an icing on the cake for, for a lot of guys. Yeah, for you as a manager, a first-year manager in a different organization, not only do you win. But the kids you sent up to the Cardinals last year all made a contribution. 
Man, I mean, it, it, it's such a unique feeling, I'm sure, for a manager in that situation. How did you take it? Because you were always giving good news of those kids moving up. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, uh, th- that's exciting when you get to uh, tell a kid uh, he's getting to live out his dream and uh, get an opportunity to accomplish that. So uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys that just came to the field every day uh, ready to work and, and improve as an individual. Um, and when they improved as individuals and accepted their role for the organization, um, you've seen them, they're the ones that got to move up and uh, have a chance in the big leagues. When did you have a feeling that you had something special with this ball club? Uh, you, you know what, probably about midway through the year, I was like, yeah, it's kind of nice. It's, I like the way, I like the flow, I like the atmosphere. Um, our, st- our staff was, you could tell the staff, uh, we mingled right away. You know, we mingled during spring training. Um, the staff was great, um, and I think that's kind of where it all started was uh, with the staff, and, the, and then once we got the team and the players together and you could see the atmosphere that they were creating inside the clubhouse, um, and then when they came outside of that clubhouse, they were ready to work, uh, and that's all you can ask for. And We just tried to pr- promote that atmosphere, and uh, they took hold of it and ran with it. And the city of Memphis just embraced it unlike anything. I mean, it was their first championship. You probably haven't paid for one dinner yet since that day. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, you know what? It was a lot of fun. It was good getting back into Memphis and, and being a part of that atmosphere again uh, in the city. And, uh, you know, hopefully the things continue. Have you had a chance to kind of take this whole thing in when you think about this time last year, you come to the Cardinals, a team you played for, uh, now you're in the organization as a manager. You go through last season. Have you had a chance to stop and just take it all in? Yeah, you know what? I, actually, getting in just the, these last couple of days, uh, I was thinking about where I was last year at this point and kind of my thought process when I was going out to the field last year. I was just trying to figure things out. Um, and now I feel more comfortable with what's going on and, and uh, what we're looking for as an organization and, and how to get these players ready. So um, it's a little bit different uh, coming in this year, you know, having a little bit more comfort, comfort level. Um, but with that being said, you can't get too comfortable because you got to get these guys ready. Speaking of getting them ready, the, the game has changed a lot from a teaching standpoint. The analytics have certainly had an impact. How do you try and mesh the two? Uh, you were a former player. You played in a different era. Now we have so much more information available. How do you try and mesh those two where you don't overload kids who are trying to get to the big leagues? Well, you know what? That's a good question. I think I think there's a lot of uh, good information out there, and we try and take it and uh, we handle it with uh, an individual basis as far as the players. Um, those that can handle it, we give it to them, and uh, you know, other guys we might have to, uh, you know, give it to them in slower parts. Um, but uh, as far as the way the game's played, that hasn't changed. Uh, you still got to go out there and play hard. So it's uh, try to get them to be able to take that information and execute it in the proper manner. For you, um, this is going to be a pretty good team you're going to have this year. When you look at all the young talent that won't make the Cardinal Ball Club, but they'll certainly play in Memphis, you're going to have a lot of good young players that you managed last year, but then there are going to be some kids from Springfield coming up. Yeah, I mean, that's you know that's an interesting uh, kind of uh, roster that we might have. Uh, I really haven't looked at it a whole lot. Uh, I'll look at it on March 30th when we arrive in Memphis. That's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, you know, wait, wait to see what happens in spring training. But uh, you know what? There's a lot of good players in this organization, and it's been a lot of fun getting to know guys over the last uh, year and a half. And I uh, look forward to see what happens this year. Who's had the biggest impact on you as a player and, and now that you're managing? Who, who's the person that really kept you afloat and really maybe in, inspired you to want to be a manager? 
Uh, you know what? There's several guys. I can't just point to one. Um, number one is uh, Chief. You know, Galen Pitts. Uh, he was he was always in my corner, and always supported me. Uh, you know, Roy Silver gave me my first break as a player uh, back in the day, and then uh, you know, working with Bobby Meacham and working uh, playing for and working with Ernie Witt. Um, you know, so there's a lot of guys playing for Tony. You know, you kind of study what he does and how he runs the game and stuff like that. So there's been a number, number of guys that I just kind of take bits and pieces from and try and be able to incorporate it into, into how I think uh, some things should run and, uh, and uh, just try and do everything together. Well, it was fun to watch you guys last year. I think one of the fun things, you'd always look to see what they did the night before or last night, and it was fun to watch. Congratulations. And uh, now that you've done it, I guess we'll go out and do it again this year. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Thank you, sir. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. We're going to get the perspective of Joe Trezza next. Joe does a great job covering the club for MLB.com, filling in for Jen Langosh. Congratulations to Jen and her husband, Matt, who gave birth to a beautiful baby girl today. But Joe will sit down with Mike Claymore next on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Ameren from Jupiter on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on KMOX. Joe Trezza is our guest. He is with MLB.com. He is filling in. Well, temporarily for Jennifer Langosh, but he might like the job so well he might stick around St. Louis. Joe, first of all, let's talk a little bit about your background. You've been at this for a few years. That's correct. I've been at MLB.com. Uh, this is my fourth season. I've been uh, mostly in New York uh, doing doing news and features and working mostly with the Mets and the Yankees. Uh, a few years ago, I was uh, I worked for the Post Dispatch here in St. Louis uh, under Derek Gould and and Rick Hummel uh, as a Hummel intern uh, when I was still in school. Um, so I kind of got a little introduction to the Cardinals and the Cardinal Nation um, back then, and now I'm back to kind of see it again and, and see see where it takes me. Tell me a little bit about that internship program. It's a big deal, obviously, because we see a lot of young people that have come through. Uh, part of the reason they have the Writers' Dinner is to make sure they fund it. You are a participant in it. What was that experience like for you? Well, really, it was one of the it was one of the main reasons I went to Missouri in the first place. Uh, I'm from the East Coast, and I really I, no, I hadn't noticed yeah, with the accent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to curb it. Yeah, I, it takes all of my will and, and and effort to kind of hold it in, uh, but it still kind of leaks out. Uh, uh, no, that was one of the only reasons I went to Missouri was for the journalism school and, and for the baseball centric. Uh, internship that it that it provided, right? So that was my main goal the first few years of school to earn, uh, to work my way towards that internship and to get it because it's really a one of a kind program. Um, besides from MLB.com's internship with which places an intern on every team, uh, it, it, it's really the Hummel internship is really one of the most only baseball writing specific internships available, and you know it, it comes with. You know, with, with all this tradition caked into it, and with all this responsibility, and and you're you're kind of thrown right into uh, the coverage of a franchise that's so beloved by so many people and has such a wide-ranging fan base and influence. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a situation that uh, I felt very 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 privileged um, to uh, to be a part of, and it really opened a lot of doors for me going forward. And it also taught me you know a heck of a whole lot about. Uh, just being a part of the media, covering a team, and, and being in a clubhouse, and and how to approach players, and and what you know story angles to look for, and what fans are interested in. Um, so it was really integral in um, in I guess you could say my my development. And having a chance to be around the Hall of Famer Rick Hummel, that that's worth the price of admission itself. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I learned more than, than I ever even thought I would from Rick uh, and, and also from Derek Gould, who, who is, um, you know, who, who's, who's a mentor and, and someone to really look up to in this business. Uh, it's, it's amazing uh, just being around Rick, being around somebody who's in the Hall of Fame um, and who has been really doing this for so long and still brings an incredible amount of passion and intelligence and insight every day uh, to the clubhouse. All right, so you're watching the spring training for the first time, uh, watching the Cardinals. Give me your impression of how it's going for you. And, you know, we, we see a lot of young players that come through this situation and they're trying to make the ball club, but then there's some guys who are playing for their careers. Give me your thoughts on what you've seen so far. Are you saying that I'm playing for my career? No, you're already in. We're not worried about We're talking about the guys in the caps out this, there. This is, this is my rookie year. I still have to prove myself, too. Um, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> With regard to the fact that you got so many young guys out here, give me your thoughts on what you've seen and how do you distinguish really the guys who can make the team compared to the guys who are just getting a look at? Uh, well, I, I think first you have to focus on what, what the battles are, right? So w which roster spots are open and who is and who is, I'm sorry, a foul ball almost came and hit us, that's why. Uh, I almost hit you. I was out of the way. Don't worry. Did you see where it landed? <laughs> oh, it did. All right. Well, you're the only one who threw, threw his hands up, so I guess you've been here longer than I have. Um, I, I think you have to look at the uh, at, at the roster at, at the roster battles, and you see like what spots are open, and then then you kind of you know can pinpoint which guys might have a chance of making the club. Um, I think it's funny how the first few weeks of camp, a lot of the focus was on uh, you know the, the the three big hard-throwing right-handers whose names start with H, uh, you know, who, who could possibly, uh, here's another one coming our way, who could possibly contribute to this bullpen at some point this season, and here we are a few weeks in, and Jordan Hicks has, you know, has been returned to minor league camp, right? So he's 21 years old. He has a lot of things to work with. His stuff uh, really impressed people up here, and he probably will be a part of the bullpen picture at some point this season, if not next. That said, kind of early in camp, we, we, we threw a lot of attention on him as somebody who, who's, who can make a splash, and then eventually you realize, okay, that, that splash might not come just yet. Uh, before we get out of here, the Cardinals will win because of what? And what are your concerns about the Cardinals not being able to win? The Cardinals will win if they get enough out of their starting rotation. Um, there are There's such a, a wide kind of like kind of like possibility of outcomes with, with so many guys in this rotation. We don't know what Adam Wainwright is really going to have at this stage in his career. We don't know how Luke Weaver responds in his, what, what should be his first full, full season. We don't know what Miles Mikolas brings after three years abroad. Um, there are just a lot of question marks with that rotation. We know who's going to be there for the most part, but we don't know exactly what they're going to bring. Um, and if you look at the other teams in the, in, in the, in the NL Central, namely the Cubs, um, the rotation is kind of a strength of theirs. Um, so the Cardinals will win if their rotation um, gives them what they need to win, right? And um, they won't if kind of all of those dominoes fall in, in the wrong way. You like their offense? 
I do. I do. I like their outfield very much. I think their outfield is one of the top four units in the game, probably. Maybe you can make an argument that it's top five. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is going to be a huge upgrade for them. We saw it already yesterday with his first spring home run. Just that easy power, just the way that uh, a lineup can kind of can kind of turn and rotate and breathe th- through him, right? And he, he can kind of be the impact bat that we haven't that, that, that the Cardinals haven't had really in a very long time. Um, Ozuna hit 37 home runs last year. Uh, no Cardinal has hit that many since Albert Pujols. Um, and he was also a, a complete hitter, too. It wasn't just power. He hit for average. He got on base. Uh, in the outfield, he has an, has, an, has an exceptional arm. He's already brought a lot of character and charisma to the clubhouse. People are kind of gravitating towards him. Um, I think he's a huge, huge upgrade that kind of gets overlooked because the acquisition was made so early in the winter, kind of. Um, Matt Carpenter is, is, is kind of an X factor for them, too. He's not healthy right now, but if he can be healthy and be kind of a linchpin in, in, in that three spot, um, then I think Tommy Pham has a, you know, it, it, he makes Tommy Pham better. He makes Dexter Fowler better. He makes everybody behind him better as well. Um, so I think if those two guys can be what the Cardinals need them to be, then this offense is going to be fine. Joe Trezza, MLB.com. Your handle for Twitter is? Joe Trez, my name without the A, J-O-E-T-R-E-Z-Z. All right, it's good to visit with you. Enjoy your tour of duty in St. Louis. Thanks for having me. Cardinals tickets are on sale now and start at just 5 bucks. The 2018 season is full of great matchups and cool giveaways, including six jerseys, six bobbleheads, two rings, and much more. Get your 2018 tickets today at cardinals.com. We're back to wrap up this hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right after these messages on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on KMOX. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings Sporting Goods, is the exclusive fan club for Cardinals fans age 13 and under. Tremendous membership benefits include two tickets to a 2018 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only autograph party at Bush Stadium, and much more. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub. Wrapping up the first hour of the program, thank you to Paul DeYoung, Stubby Clapp, and Joe Trezza. Coming up, we'll kick off Hour 2 with Mike Gersh, Cardinals General Manager, to talk about the Paul DeYoung deal and more including some of the Tommy Pham stuff that we talked about. Another edition of Performance Chat. I think I'll call it that with Dr. Robert Butler, the pitching coach Mike Maddox, and Elizabeth Meineke from Cardinals Publications. That's all coming up in the second hour of the program. Chris Raby with you in Jupiter, Florida. Mike Claiborne, my co-host. Mike Anderson back in our network studios. Dave Klein helping us out as well this week. And we're back with the second hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, always presented by Ameren right after this short break on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron. How about the old Uncle Charlie here? The pitch. Swing and a miss. Threw the fastball right by him, and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight Ks for the Cardinal Herman. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. 
Hour two of Cardinals Countdown to opening day from Jupiter, Florida. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, my co-host. We have Mike Anderson back in our Cardinals Network studios and Dave Klein helping us out this week as well. We talked in hour one about Paul DeYoung and his contract extension. One of the men who made it happen is Cardinals General Manager Mike Gersh. He kicks off our second hour talking that and much more with Mike Claiborne. Cardinal General Manager Mike Gersh is with us and Mike, you make another deal yesterday or recently with regard to uh, Paul DeYoung signing a deal. That seems to be almost an annual situation where you target a player that you feel like there's potential in. Walk me through how this situation unfolded. Yeah, every spring as we go through the pre-arbitration players and and talk to their agents about their contracts, um, there's always a couple that if the conversation sparks that uh, that a long-term deal might make sense, and and this is a case where, when uh, when I was talking to Burton Rocks, uh, Paul's agent, he he uh, they expressed interest, and and he was a guy that we had, you know, I'm not, like to be honest, he was he's early in his career, right? We haven't done one this early in in, in the time I've been around here, but when the when the conversation got started, we realized that uh, it was it was worth pursuing and see if we could find something that we both were excited about. And when you do that, you you have all the numbers that kind of gives you an indication that the trends say he he's going to be better, or at least you can get the numbers that he had this recent season. That's something you can live with. Yeah, yeah. If he wants to hit 25 home runs and play shortstop for the next six or eight years, I think we could live with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Look, th- th- these deals are always about um, about risk tolerance on both sides. Um, you know, some of us play the lottery, even though we know we're probably flushing a dollar down the toilet, and some of us don't, right? Because it depends on sort of your risk tolerance. And I think in this case, um, Paul was excited to be a Cardinal. He was a Midwest guy who wants to be a Cardinal and stay a Cardinal. And he was excited to set himself up for, for, uh, for a long time, you know, with some certainty. And that's something we were excited to have him locked in for a long time and we were ex- we were excited about his upside and you know and and it was a deal that we could we you know both both were happy with and obviously you can't go out and tap everybody on the shoulder in doing that but when you have a guy you've watched from day one develop within the organization that's got to give you a little bit more comfort level than having some guy that you get in a deal and all of a sudden he has a good spring and he takes it into the season and but you just don't know where it's going to go from there yeah, absolutely. One of the things that that we talk about with with young players, you know, our minor leaguers, is is you have to have trust. The the coaching staff has to trust you, their teammates have to trust you, and 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 the, eventually the front office has to trust you. And when you have players that have done you know everything right, Paul's done everything right all throughout his time with the Cardinals in terms of his work ethic, his attitude, his aptitude for learning. I mean, he took to a he took to the hardest positions on the field on short notice and and worked his butt off and became a league average shortstop in the matter of you know half a season or whatever so um that gives you the 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 confidence that that's the kind of guy that that you want to bet long term on yeah and you have to have that that aptitude to be able to a embrace it b learn how to adjust and and fall into it and it doesn't hurt when you have a jose okendo and ozzy smith and other people who can walk you through that process absolutely i think one of the biggest things we try to provide the best resources we can to our players to improve in in every aspect that we can including guys like you know uh, jose and ozzy and those guys the 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 player's ability to take that information and put it into practice on the field, their willingness to take that, take the advice, take the suggestions, make changes where they need to, that's that's sort of the differentiator. We we do our best to provide that resource, but but 
guys like Paul just you know eat that stuff up and and can take a conversation from the backfields to to the big field you know in, in the matter of hours and, and put it right into practice. When you look at players, is that something you put more stock into now? I know in some sports they have a wonder lick test. It's you know to try and see if a guy can break things down and really apply it. Do you have a similar formula that you try and assess because they can all run, pitch, hit, and throw? But there are other factors that don't necessarily measure up that really gives you a better comfort level, I would imagine, on whether this guy can get it or not. Because this game has become a lot more technical over the last few years. Um, you know, we don't we don't have a test. We we we've explored things like that, but never found something that felt all that convincing. A, a lot of them, the player knows what the quote unquote right answer is, and so you get the answer you want to hear, not what the guy really thinks or how he really thinks about life. Um, but we put a lot of emphasis on that in our scouting, in our development, in our minor league coaches. I mean, there's when you spend 160 or 180 days with a kid in the minor leagues, like you know that guy, you you know how he thinks. How, you know, you can fake it with a you know a scout for you know a weekend series or whatever, but it's hard to fake it for half a half a year. And so, we do put emphasis on that sort of thing, but it's it's much more personal you know what what our what our staff is telling us what they've seen with the player and not some you know click click a few buttons and tell us you tell us about yourself and what you dream about or whatever right like with, with that said and you get a scout report on a player is there a column what i would say intangibles that, that you read as far as learning about a person to say okay is this guy fit into with a cardinal mold yeah absolutely yeah we we have um we we actually have a separate report for makeup that we ask our minor league staff and our amateur staff to, to fill out on. Now, look, our, am, our minor leaguers, our minor league coaches can do it on every minor league player because they spend so much time with them. Our amateur scouts can, they, they need to do it on the top guys because we need to know it. You get to a point where you see a kid throw one time on a Wednesday and you don't ever see him again. We don't want people making stuff up, right? So we don't get on every single player, but it is. It's, it's, it's a required part of our process is that, you talk to the player, you talk to his coach, you talk to his parents, you talk to friends. One of the best ways to do it is talk to his teammates and ask, you know, who's the hardest worker on the team? And if they name the guy you're interested in, great. And if they name everybody else on the team except for him, then they're not going to tell you he's a bad worker, but they might accidentally point out that he's not one of the hard workers, right? They give me the ass. Yeah, yeah. Even they shrug, the shoulder shrug. Like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, the eye roll starts exactly. to take place. One other item I wanted to ask you about is, you know, there was an interesting story about Tommy Pham who signed a renewal. Explain to us how that process works. And I know in Derek Gould's case, he wrote us a little unusual, certainly for the Cardinals. So explain to us what that means and why is it unusual. So for all pre-arbitration players, the teams uh, retain control of them. And so the teams can set the salary basically at whatever number they want. Um, we have a process that we put in place back in 2008 where we use a formula that's based on on-field performance and service time and service time in your career. And it's a formula that we try to use to line everybody up into what their, what their um, salary will be for the, for the upcoming season. Um, we did that for Tommy. We did that for everybody, including Tommy, um, because Tommy had – and he had MVP votes. He, he, he was one of these, there's every couple years is a guy who the scale doesn't really fit quite right. Mm -hmm. And so we made some adjustments to the scale for him and, um, and offered him a salary that he deemed insufficient. <coughs> and what he was asking for was a number that we felt was just completely inconsistent with our scale, not just 
not just a yes, I understand we have to help we have to do something special for a guy who got MVP votes, but he was at, he was asking for something that was um, a spot we we didn't feel comfortable going. Um, I think Tommy uh, talked about that we did discuss a two-year deal a little bit. Again, there is nobody more confident in their abilities than Tommy Pham, and Tommy felt like he'd rather bet on himself to go back and do even better next year. We offered what we thought was a fair amount. He chose to to, to stick to a one-year, and ultimately, because he wasn't happy with what we were offering, we ended up renewing his contract instead of having him agree to the amount that we were that we were offering. But that means you're still open for business if something breaks during the course of the season. You've done that before. Yeah. I, I, so the funny thing is, I think the last player we renewed was in 2008, and it was Adam Wainwright. And that worked out okay. Somehow our relationship has has survived that that renewal. So th- these renewals happen. Like, we prefer they not. You know, we went in this. We, we again, it's been a decade. Like we prefer to always keep everybody, you know, signing and agreeing and and and. It, but I, you know. Mo and I and John Vuk, we've all talked to Tommy in the last 24 to 48 hours, and I, I, I don't think there's any malice. I think it's just it was sort of a business thing for Tommy, and, and he he wants to bat it himself. And so I told him, I hope that I hope we regret not signing you to a two-year deal because you go out and win the MVP. That'd be that'd be a great problem to have. Final question for Mike Gersh, Cardinal General Manager. This game is changing with regard to negotiations. Will you see? Do you think we'll see negotiations pinned on? statistics like war and some of the other analytic items that people are starting to use as far as incentives and maybe how a contract is structured? Um, right now, the the uh, Major League Baseball, what, what they allow in incentives are, are somewhat limited. It's, it's much more about playing time than it is performance. So you can't put incentives for, like, how many home runs a guy hits or how many RBIs he gets or how many saves he gets. You can only do it for games – or games finished, or played appearances, these, these more playing time oriented stats. My sense is that that probably will always be the case, so that you don't have incentives where a player is standing at the plate knowing that the right move here might, you know, the, the coach gave me the bunt sign, but if I drive this guy in, I'm going to get an extra X, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so the incentives are, are we, they, they've always been, you're not allowed to use incentives that are sort of performance based, they're more playing time based. And so because of that, I, that would take a dramatic change in like the rules of the game, not just the negotiation between teams and agents, but the actual rules under which we are allowed to make contracts. And I would think, in the end, it would be a little selfish on the player's part, where he's playing for himself instead of his team. That doesn't go over well with your teammates or organization either. Right, and that's why that's why the 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 uh, performance bonuses we're allowed to use are not their their performance in that their. Their playing time, not on-field performance, to avoid those sort of uh, weird situations where you're you're not acting in the you know good faith of the team because you have some money riding on it or whatever. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Cardinals tickets on sale now and start at just five dollars. The 2018 season is full of great matchups and cool giveaways, including six jerseys, six bobbleheads, two rings, and much more. Get your 2018 tickets today at cardinals.com. When we come back, another chat with Dr. Robert Butler, the Director of Performance. We'll talk development and then some big picture takeaways from myself and Clay. That's after this on Cardinals Countdown, opening day presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is a Cardinals Countdown to opening day show presented by Ameren on KMOX. 
Cardinals tickets on sale now and start at just $5. The 2018 season is full of great matchups and cool giveaways, including six jerseys, six bobbleheads, two rings, and much more. Get your 2018 tickets today at cardinals.com. Chris Raby back on Cardinals Countdown to opening day. We turn it back over to Mike Claiborne, the final edition of our weekly chats with Dr. Robert Butler, the Cardinals Director of Performance. All right, let's talk a little bit about player development. And, and I know that that starts at the beginning as far as getting guys on board early, and it just doesn't include here at Roger Dean Stadium. No, I think that's correct, and I think that's one of the, the another area where I'm just very fortunate to land in the right place with, with people so experienced as, um, you know, Gary the Rock on that side and just learning from the people that have been here and, and the different coordinators that are here, and that they've just been very open to, to, to just being as transparent as we are about how we get these players better. And... You know, there's never that agenda of what's got to get done. It's just how do we collaboratively maximize what we're doing with the players and, and just all have a good picture of, of, of what's going on to do that. Um, and, and not dissimilar from that, I think um, you know, Moises Rodriguez designed his, his previous role with Director of International Ops. It was just, you know, with it being such a different environment, you know, you're not, you're not training 18-year-olds there. They're training 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds, so you've you got to have a different plan. Got to have a different focus. And with that said, though, I'm going to go back to Gary LaRock and some of the other guys that you've worked with, getting them on board. I mean, because this is a new aspect of a professional sports performance. And, you know, some guys are used to doing it the old way, if there was one. Uh, it's important for you to obviously be able to sell them on this concept, whereas it's beneficial for everybody involved. How much of a challenge can that be? Well, I think it's – I mean, I think – you know, the only thing that's been asked is why. And it goes back to what's that why statement behind what we're doing. And that's helped our staff and myself figure out what, what's the reason behind what we're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and what's the timing of it and what's the season, what's the scope of things. And, you know, you know, no one's got a better feel of what the scope of a, of a, of a minor league season is than Gary with, with his experience as a player, coach, scouting, all of it. And so it, the granularity of it and the realistic aspects of what happens on a daily basis it's just an honest discussion of like, okay, what can we do? When can we do it? What's the reason behind it? And what's the why statement? And once you get to those why statements, the answers, they, they, they just come out from where they need to. and it, Or it becomes very clear of like, okay, how do we prioritize our various why statements on, on what happens? And Because, um, you know, I'll be fully, I mean, full transparency from our standpoint. It's not always about more physical development with these guys. You know, some guys just need more. Like, how do we, how do we control what they're doing from a um, – from the, the holistic baseball side, that maybe they're not getting enough. Maybe they're a they need to move one way or the other from that standpoint. And so it's really a collaborative effort to figure out how do we how do we provide as much as we can to maximize each player's development. You know, on the international side, um, this is something that a lot of teams have obviously gotten into. But the performance, how much of a different approach do you have from a performance standpoint for the international player? Who, who comes from a different background from a cultural standpoint and certainly an educational standpoint? Well, I think that that's where I've, I've, I've leveraged quite a bit of, of Moises and Al, um, Luis Morales' experience and even, you know, all, all the staff we have down there, which is just, they just want what's best. It's Frey, Billy, um, Matos, whoever. And um, it's been a learning experience of like, okay, like that's a different person. Right? You can't deal with a skelly, mature individual who's 15, 16, you know, whatever it may be, train those individuals. You have to think about the plan differently. And so it's really come back down to how do we scale back, where we want guys to show up with, what's their 18, what are our standards for development. It's, it's, it's kind of like, 
our own version of what the presiden- presidential physical fitness test kind of used to look like, but but with a little more structure to it. You don't look that old to remember that. <laughs> hey, I, I couldn't touch my toes for a lick, so I, I remember it. I remember it. I, I had some room for improvement. Don't get me wrong. So, um, but it's uh, you know I think it gets back down to what's the structure in that regard. Where are they from a um, from a timing of development standpoint, and then what do you focus on during that period? Um, and certainly understanding that. It's less controlled of a background for which they come into the system. And so learning about that, establishing some foundation, and then going forward from that so that when they come here to the GCL or they come over here, that it's just a pl- not a plug-and-play, but, but the next level of what was happening and a continuation of what was happening of the process that started at the academy. So great having the Cardinals Director of Performance, Robert Butler, with us all this spring on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Great to have Mike Maddox in the fold. The new pitching coach joins us next as we continue in our second hour on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Well, we have a chance to visit with the new Cardinals pitching coach. He is Mike Maddox. We remember you as a player. You've coached uh, in the big leagues for how many years now? Um, been fortunate that this will be number 16, I think. 16, did you think you'd have this much fun? Man, glad we are. You know, I, I, I thought it would be fun. I didn't know it would be this much fun. Been blessed. Let's talk a little bit about this ball club because when you were, became available, you had some options. What attracted you to the Cardinals? Oh, the history of the organization, the classiness of the organization, the fundamental of the organization. The way the Cardinals always did everything right. When you watch them play ball, it was that, that's how you play baseball. Always stood out, no matter what ball club you, I was on or with, or watching them on TV. We're in the postseason like every year. Um, you knew that they did little things right and they played to win. For you as a pitching coach, do you try? Do you have a philosophy on what everybody should try and embrace, and then you have to individually assess who can do what? Well, I think we all have our. You know, basic foundation of, uh, you know, command the fastball, change speeds, and good things happen. Now, what kind of fastballs are we commanding? We command in, you know, two-seamers, four-seamers, you know, cutters. Um, but if, if I got 31 guys in camp, I'm 31 different type pitching coaches. Yeah, I guess the bottom line would be how is this, what is this guy's track to be successful? How can he exceed his skill set? And we try to help guys identify who they are, what they can do, what their strengths are, and let's pitch to our strengths. What about mechanics? Because that's also 31 different varieties when you look at guys and what they do and how they got to the big leagues and what you want to do to stay here. How much do you get involved in mechanics at the big league level? I think you have to stay on top of their mechanics. I mean, everybody's got their own little uh, signature, and it all looks the same, you know, uh, but none are exact, and, and there is no exact science. And, you know, it's like a like dancing. You know, you you beat. You know, you get to your rhythm, and as long as you repeat it, you're going to be all right. I guess we'll have to go out and watch you dance there. If that's the case. <laughs> hey, well, you know, we, we're going through a little bit of a transition in the game, where we hear so much about launch angles because for so many years we had pitchers who threw down low. Dave Duncan used to say, "You never seen a guy hit a home run on a ground ball." But now, because of the launch angle, we're starting to see pitchers have a different approach. A, looking for the high strike, throwing a few more four-seamers. Do you think that's going to be something we'll see a lot more, or is this just a phase we're going through? I think it depends on the pitcher and the hitter. There are some guys that 
young guys that came right to the big leagues and they were low ball hitters. They didn't turn into them. They showed up that way, and I think that comes from a lot of the development they get uh, at academies and hit coaches and that they've developed this, uh, you know, the money's made in the air. You know, if you can keep the ball in the air, you're going to hit more homers, hit more gap shots, this, that, and the other, keep the ball off the ground. And guys have bought into that, and the pitchers, you know, we have to make an adjustment to that. Now, naturally, maybe I'm a better low ball pitcher than you are low ball hitter. I'm going to fight you that way, but if you're a, you know, Mark McGuire was a pretty good low ball hitter. You know, he was a guy that you had to lift it up on because he was a better low ball hitter than we were low ball pitchers. Um, Steve Trout is that way, or I'm sorry, Mike Trout is that way where, you know, you better pitch him up because he's pretty good down low. Now, the guys that are in between, we're going to go with our strengths, and, you know, I'll fight fire with fire if it has to go, but I'm also going to have something else I can do. You know, we you, you mentioned academy, and, and we see a lot more private lessons. We see a lot more instruction on the youth level, and we're so enthralled with pitch counts. Give me your thoughts on pitch counts because they weren't very prevalent when you pitched. I mean, they did it, but it wasn't something like they had the monitor or the meter to you where, okay, you're at 92, let's be careful here. Give me your thoughts on pitch counts, especially where they fit in the game today. Well, where they fit in the game today was our generation and maybe a, a decade ago when they implemented the pitch counts in Little League, which which is definitely a good thing. Now you have these kids that come through select ball and they're allowed so many innings or so many pitches in this game, but then they go and play for another team and, you know, they, you know, take that number back down to zero. So that's something where they kind of buck that system a little bit. But I guess what I'm getting at is that the, the kids now at, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old are being limited with a pitch count. So now they go to the next level, they have this limit of pitch counts. So as they get into pro ball, all of a sudden they have this self-imposed limit that because they've always been limited. They don't know what their limits are because they have been held down. So it's more psychological than physical because, as you mentioned, they don't know how far they can actually go. They've just been told this is where you cut it off. That is 100% what I'm saying. For you in that situation, how do you push that guy beyond it or is it something that this generation doesn't want to explore because this is all they know? I think there are some guys out there, the elite pitchers, um, pitch counts really don't matter. You know, they, they want to go as long as they can, as hard as they can. And that's kind of kind of my philosophy, you know, is we go as hard as we can, as long as we can, and the hitters will let us know when we had enough. Now, what is that magic number for injury? You know, if we could document that, hell, we, we'd honor it. But I think that number might be different for each person. So I'm, I'm big on uh, starting what you finish. I think that should be our goal. Go out there and put up nine donuts every game or give the team all I got for as long as I can. Yeah, and that's that's great you say that because I think we have the five and fly characters who when they turn around and look at the fifth inning and they're at a certain pitch count, they're ready for you to come get them. Maybe sometimes you don't look out, in the, look out to the pitcher's mound. Let's see if you can pitch out of trouble because we have a lot of young guys in the game who've never had to pitch out of trouble because they've never had to go that far. Sometimes guys, uh, they find themselves in trouble, whether it be the first inning, you know, you let them battle through it. The third inning, you let them battle through it. Now all of a sudden, uh, sixth inning, I'm, I'd love to have them battle through it, but all of a sudden here comes that pitch count thing. So they never learn how to pitch out of trouble later in the game. And I think that's what separates the, the greats from the goods. And it's something that our game has kind of done. Maybe we're smarter that way. You know, it's all about a pitch count threshold. But I love for guys to have the opportunity to 
to win their own game and pitch out of their own trouble. What do you like about some of the young guys we've had a chance to watch throw? We've got a lot of young arms, and while everybody's enamored with power, we've got some guys who are showing some good location and maybe not throwing 98 miles an hour. I think we got a couple guys that people really aren't talking about. You know, we talk about the guys with the high below because it's it's easy. You know, that stuff's uh, easy to see. But the uh, guys that have the intangibles that are professional pitch makers. We a young kid in uh, Woodford. You know, we don't talk much about him because he doesn't have the blazing fastball. But here's a guy that has pretty darn good command. He changes speeds and has the little uh, mental capacity to get better and understand what he has to do. I really like watching him. Um, this uh, Gonzalez kid was a starter, and he was an A-ball last year, and then he converted to the pin. All of a sudden, it played up, and maybe one might be onto something with him. So there's two young guys right there nobody's really talked about that have caught and caught our eye. You know, one of the, I guess it's a pleasure is the fact you have so much much experience in your bullpen, guys who are close, guys who have been in the late league for a while, it's going to be a very tough decision in some cases because a lot of those veterans know what it takes to stay in camp and make a big league roster. They're not going to go away quietly. You know, tough decisions are a great thing to have. You know, I love having tough decisions. Um, we got some of those vets, you know, that, you know, Gregerson's done it. Um, Mott, good to see him back. He's done it. And then we got uh, – kid like Bowman you know he's young but man he comes in and pitches gets big outs when there's traffic out there um, those guys are invaluable on your staff and it's good to have those type of I'd much rather have a tough decision than you know, try, trying to find a guy that can do it <laughs> you know for you, uh, you know, a lot of different pitching coaches when they have a guy that's in trouble you go out to the mound what are some of the things you try and check off the list is give, let him catch his breath talk about mechanics or get his mind off of what he might be struggling with well you try to identify the situation of what's going on you know sometimes it's as simple as hey uh you know everybody's hit your fastball you know nobody's hit your breaking ball yet or just the other way you know every time you get ahead you're coming breaking ball here and they're, they're hitting your your second breaking ball you throw you know so sometimes we got to help identify what's going on evaluate the situation let's make an adjustment right away and if you fall into traps, well, we just got to reset the trap. That's a great point you make. You call it traps. I, th- I call it falling in love. A guy is so comfortable throwing a pitch when those, those other ones are pretty good. I'm of the belief if you don't use them, you're going to lose them along the way. Do you have to try to remind those guys of that as well? Hey, you got good stuff. Let's see what they can hit on the other pitchers. That's a big part of the meetings. You know, hey, the, this right here is our go-to isn't working. What's plan B? You know, what's plan C? So we'll have plan B and C in our back pocket, but sometimes uh, we don't understand plan A's not working until it's too late sometimes. So uh, we got to go out there and push that plan B button right away. Final couple questions for you. You made the decision to get in the game as far as pitching and pitching coach. Who were some of the people that really helped you along the way in your professional career as a player, but also once you got out of the game as a coach? Who are some of the people you've relied on that have giving you this great opportunity to continue to work in Major League Baseball? Well, my last couple years of playing, I started really looking outside the box a little bit. You know, what's next? Would I like to coach and, you know, stay in in uniform? And the answer was yes. So I started really paying more attention. Philippe Lou, I learned a lot from him. And uh, Larry Durker, I learned a lot from him. And more importantly, I learned a lot. I had a lot of managers and a lot of pitching coaches. 
And uh, I learned a lot of things that I want to pass on. I learned a lot of things I don't want to pass on. And then when I got into coaching, Jackie Moore, probably my biggest mentor as far as uh, handling people and always had uh, words of wisdom to, to go by. He was, Jackie Moore was my version of the, the Cardinals. Uh, George Kissel. George Kissel, exactly. You know, just the words of wisdom that have always stuck. This has been fun. I'm looking forward to working with you this year and many years to come. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to be a Cardinal. Speaking of pitching, Elizabeth Meineke will be with us next. We'll talk about some of the pitchers profiled in Cardinals Magazine coming up and also a guest columnist this year. You won't want to miss this announcement. That's next on Cardinals Countdown, opening day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to opening day show presented by Ameren on KMOX. Well, it's great to talk Cardinals publications and Cardinals magazine on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Follow the Cardinals in style this coming season with a subscription to Cardinals magazine. Sign up today and receive two free tickets, all for just 35 bucks. Order now at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. And we say hello to Elizabeth Meineke, one of the senior editors from Cardinals Publications. Elizabeth, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having us on, Chris. Yeah, thanks for joining us. You know, uh, we keep saying this, and I guess it shouldn't sneak up on us, but we are getting closer and closer to the baseball season. And then I know you guys are excited about so many things at Cardinals Publications, including Cardinals Magazine. No off-season for you guys at the magazine. But what's it like this time of year as uh, you put together some stories, you get to sit down with some guys at spring training, get more of the personality side of things, and then get ready for another year? Yeah, we're, we've been working hard to get ready for opening day. Um, as you know, our senior writer, Sam McNeil, has been down there for pretty much the start of camp down in Jupiter. So he's been reporting down there. We've also been working in St. Louis to make sure uh, issue one is ready for fans when they come to the ballpark uh, for opening day here in St. Louis. Um, so one of the things that we're really excited about this year, um, we're bringing back uh, one of our most popular departments, which is having a player be a guest columnist for us. The magazine has a great tradition of this. Um, we've had Skip Schumacher contribute in the past, Adam Wainwright, Lance Berkman. We really take a, a lot of, of time and effort to make sure we identify the right guy for this, someone who has a very intellectual approach to the game, um, can offer unique insight to fans. So this year we're going to have Tommy Pham do that for us. He'll be writing a guest column for us uh, throughout the season. So we're Really looking forward to Tommy having this platform to be able to connect with fans and, and share his thoughts on the game. You know, Tommy is such an interesting guy to talk to. He always offers interesting quotes, never one to shy away from that. We saw that earlier this week when his contract was renewed. But he's such a student of the game, and he's so involved in the nuances of everything from sabermetrics to the collective bargaining agreement to, um, you know, always trying to get better as a player that I'm so excited to see what Tommy brings to the table. I think we can both agree you never have a boring conversation yeah. with Tommy Pham. <laughs> so we are, we are really looking forward as well to, to being able to, to share that with fans and, and again, really give him that platform uh, where he can share kind of the thoughts and the things that he's pursuing and, and what's on his mind um, as we progress through the season. I loved last year when you guys had Lance Lynn write a guest column talking about his media scrums. It was fantastic. You always get some great perspective when the guys uh, take to the role and they all embrace it. You really do. And you know, we found that throughout the years is, is the guys really do use this opportunity um, to kind of express uh, a, a side of the game or, or things that are going on in their lives that you, you might not 
um, hear otherwise, and that's part of what we, we work really hard for here at Cardinals Magazine is to make sure that our subscribers, um, you know, having the access to these unique angles and, and get to see a different side of the game. I know when I'm flipping through back issues, you know, even just here at work, whenever I'm, you know, flipping through the pages, these player columns, no matter how long ago they ran, I always stop and read them. They're, they're absolute must-reads because you're always going to find something unique. Elizabeth Meineke is with us from Cardinals Publications on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin. You mentioned Adam Wainwright. It's an interesting uh, season uh, and spring for Adam Elizabeth as uh, you guys um, you know, are, are going to bring to us kind of a crossroads for Waino and his career and his baseball journey right now. Yeah, it's interesting. We actually sat down with him and uh, we were able to talk a little bit about an earlier crossroads in his baseball journey. Um, and it, 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 it's fun. I, I think it's not going to be what fans are expecting. It's surprising. So I'm just going to leave that little teaser right there, and they'll have to uh, hear and, and read the rest of the story uh, when they pick up an issue, either on opening day or call and subscribe. So it, it, it's, wor- it's worth the read, though. I mean, again, like Tommy Pham, no conversation with Adam Wainwright is ever boring. So Cardinals fans are going to be, I think, interested to hear um, his take on uh, a crossroads in his baseball journey that happened actually a little while ago. So You know, whether it's Wainwright or anyone else in the clubhouse, there are so many layers to these guys outside of what fans see on the field. Fans don't always get a peek behind the curtain, but whether it's their interests outside of baseball, whether it's uh, some of the philanthropic work that so many of these guys are involved in, I love that we get to see that come to life in the pages of the magazine, Elizabeth. Yes, and another thing, too, that we kind of challenge ourselves for this year, I mean, we do this every offseason, is, is we look at the magazine and we say, okay, what are their unique angles that are out there? How can we give fans insight into this game? And so one thing that we settled on is actually going to be a, a department that we're debuting um, is getting an inside look at life in baseball from the perspective of the players' lives. So we have a fantastic all-star lineup of ladies um, who have agreed to contribute this season. I finished one of the interviews and I was down there in spring training. Uh, it was fascinating. I walked out of there thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got so many stories to tell. This is, you know, such a unique side of the game that I, I don't think fans would have realized. So we're really looking forward to having those ladies' voices in the magazine as well this year, and I can promise Cardinals fans that they will not be disappointed with what these ladies have to say. Elizabeth, uh, before we let you go, give me an idea from your time uh, at spring training, uh, maybe a player or a storyline that you found yourself interested in as we now continue to count down uh, the days until getting the season started. What do you have your eye on right now? Well, we can't get enough of Luke Weaver. I'm sure Cardinals mm. fans would agree with that. And Chris, I'm sure you know as well from chatting with him that you know not only is he a guy who is exciting to watch on the mound, he's really funny off the mound. <laughs> Just always, always a pleasure to interview. Um, always has a, a lot to offer. Always has a funny comment to throw in there. So we'll be keeping an eye on him, and, and hopefully uh, uh, Cardinal fans will see him at some point in the pages of the magazine, probably sooner as opposed to later. So that's definitely a, definitely a play that we're excited to watch progress. Awesome. Cardinals publications, including the magazine, uh, just cannot, cannot recommend enough, especially because with the magazine right now, you get two free tickets, just 35 bucks a subscription. You can call 345-9000, 314-345-9000. Or go to cardinals.com slash magazine. Elizabeth, keep up the great work. We'll continue to keep an eye on Stan down here in Florida, and we'll see you at the ballpark very soon. That's right. Thanks, Chris. And send some warm weather up here to St. Louis, <laughs> please. We have snow, so we can, we can use some of that sunshine. <laughs> We're back to wrap up this week's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Next, Chris Raby in Jupiter. Back after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on Kangamo X.
Oh, we are so close to baseball season. And don't forget, if you're missing baseball season, Cardinals Nation and Ballpark Village open seven days a week. Stop by for a bite to eat or relive some of the Cardinals' greatest moments by going to the Cardinals Museum. More information at cardinalsnation.com. That's going to do it for us this week and another edition of the show in the books from Jupiter. Thank you to our guests, Paul DeYoung, Mike Gersh, Stubby Clapp, Mike Maddox, Joe Trezza, and Dr. Robert Butler. Thank you also to Elizabeth Meineke of Cardinals Publications, Dave Klein helping us out this week, and Mike Anderson back in our Cardinals Network studios. We will have our eye on everything happening here in camp over the next week until we talk next Wednesday and three weeks from tomorrow. The Cardinals open the season in New York against the Mets. Maybe hard to believe, but we're getting closer with every day to the 2018 St. Louis Cardinals baseball season. Until next week, for my partner, Mike Claiborne, Chris Raby, have a great rest of your night and a great week. This has been Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.